Took a day off last week and made an appointment with Mark Katzman to talk to him about some things. Mark's got a lot going on. He's one of the partners that publishes the online magazine Athens Uncharted. Mark has written several novels. One of them, Playdate, is available on Amazon, and I'll share the link on my website. Mark talks about art books, Timothy Leary and his pursuit of a career in writing. You'll have to forgive me, I'm not so good at the follow-up question, but this is Limited Perspective, Episode 7. Please enjoy my talk and or whatever you want to call it with Mark Katzman, people. You know, I'm more used to being on the other side of the mic, (laughs) so uh, bear bear with me. Uh, But I was born in St. Louis and uh, grew up there, but... um, Kansas City when I was in grade school, so I was, I'm, I feel like I'm from Kansas City, okay. which I come and go from over the years. So, so what's it like growing up in Kansas City? And- um, it, it was, you know, fairly idyllic in a sense. Mm-hmm. Those were easy-going times, you know, more, more, more so. This goes back a, you know, many years, but... Uh, the good thing was uh, my folks gave us a den to play in a band. You know, oh. <laughs> I had room to, to, to make music, and uh, so that's when I started playing guitar, and they gave up a room to us. That was nice. All that the boys is... would come and go. And, yeah, yeah. And whatnot. So I relate to this town very, very much with music, even. So what years were you in Kansas City? Well, I was just there through college. Okay. And... Um, at some point there, I began writing. That, that's when I began writing. Mm-hmm. was my time uh, as a, uh, a young man in Kansas. Um, I had never written as a kid, like kids write stories, you know, mm-hmm. things. I had never done any creative writing in, 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 in the least. So you didn't <clears throat> care about it till college? I, that was not an interest of mine. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was sensitive to things and read some of the basic little kid books that every, you know, mm-hmm. Tom Swift and what everyone reads, but I certainly never tried to write, never even gave it a second thought. But I had a, a transformational experience when I was 22, and um, that experience, uh, not on drugs, uh-huh. but that experience, I was literally tra- transformed and changed in a moment and thrown to the floor and... When I got up from the carpet in, in the bedroom, there had been a yellow pad that had been here there for at least a year. My parents always kept a yellow pad on a desk, and it had never been touched. But when I woke, like when I when I stood up, I started writing. Wow! Basically, spiritual poetry. Yeah. And, but, okay. and, and, wait, but wait, wait. Now wait, I missed part of that. You something happened that threw you to the floor. Yes, uh, something I've rarely spoken of. Um, I'm a creative who came from the light bulb school, and um, something happened, and I began writing. And that experience, in a sense, has never left me. So I love to talk to writers about writing. Everyone has their own experience of how it happens. To me, it was that. And uh, it's termed something. I was in a of in a laboratory situation in Kansas City with a professor where they talk to creative people and mm-hmm. I, she wanted me to talk talk about that experience a little bit, mm-hmm. the, the day and night experience. 
but uh, I've never stopped writing since okay. uh, that, that, that day. So what were your parents, what did your parents do? They had no clue to what was going on. I did finish college. But your parents weren't, uh, didn't care one way or another about you writing, or they did, was either of them um, no, a creative? Or? No, I didn't come from uh, creative parents. Uh, my dad, uh, who's a veteran, uh, sold restaurant equipment okay. throughout the Midwest. So when I had a chance and an offer from my dad to, to take over the company, uh, I had to say no. Uh. And ultimately, I wrote a novel, I ran off to the East Coast, and I really started my life as a, you know, independent uh, uh, person, very connected with writing, to, to, to Boston. I moved to Boston. Ran off with a woman twice my age, you know. Hey. What are you doing what? <laughs> at 20, 24, you know. <laughs> but that led to some remarkably good six years in Boston. Mm-hmm. And, and a very creative creative time for me there. Okay. Did, you, did you go to school there or did you just start writing? No, I, uh, however it happened, I got a job. I, I moved to to Cambridge a- after after things fell apart with the, the initial person I moved uh-huh, with right, right. which was a poet which was the first writer I ever met mm-hmm. and so <laughs> this is out in the woods mm-hmm. wonderful times to get to know someone who had been a serious who it was a serious writer yeah. so for me that was a great a great start probably my first mentor in, mm-hmm, in a sense mm-hmm. but of course relationships come apart right. yeah, you know, eventually yeah. seemingly but um Let's just say I quickly moved to Cambridge one night, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and okay. took a room in a, like a mansion of a boarding house in in Cambridge, where like rooms were rented. So I had a room with like twenty foot ceiling with a giant window. I mean, I, I got this wow. this like small little mansion of a room, but. But uh, I got lucky. I got, I got a job at Radcliffe. Okay, uh, was that a, was in, that a in, publishing in, in the school? Okay, in their library. Okay, so that really is where I stayed. In fact, in Kansas City, um, uh, I studied psychology and worked at a couple psychiatric clinics as an attendant. Once I had my transformation, it was books. The only thing that really mattered were books. And so I started working at the Beat Alton Bookstore. I've, I've worked at several Barnes & Nobles you know, during the course of my, of my years. But, but I've also worked at the libraries, several libraries. And so that was my first one. I got a job at Radcliffe working under the cataloger. Um, and uh, I remember checking out books to Carolyn Kennedy. You know, he's, uh, and then okay, okay. Radcliffe and Harvard merged, and they moved me to Harvard. Okay. So there I was working at the Harvard undergraduate library, wow. uh, Lamont Library, um, sort of processing the new books. And I'm the person who took the catalog card to the catalog card files and filed the catalog cards. That's how far back I got. And dug up the book. Wait, you... 
I file the cards in the catalog. This is you know way pre. So is this when someone was checking out? Yes. They bring the card. Well, they looked up. They looked up. They looked up the card. Oh, okay. The oh, 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 and then they went and found the book. So these were the giant bank of. Files. I remember. Yeah, that, yeah. That, Now it's a small. Everyone's got it on their desktop. But um, I was I was very fortunate in the sense of not only just being at Harvard right, and, right. and having that experience. Uh, but upstairs from me just happened to be the Woodbury Poetry Room. From where you were living? Where I was working at, at working, Harvard. Okay. So upstairs from Lamont Library is still the Woodbury Poetry Room. So describe, what is that? So describe the, that. the Woodbury Poetry Room, when I was there, um, was curated by a, 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 a wonderful Greek man and writer named uh, Stavis Javiaris. And I can say he was truly my first mentor. Um, but the, the poetry room had all the poets of the day would come and go and give readings and impromptu readings. And I was downstairs. You know, I'd get a call. So he'd stress, come, come on up. You know, somebody's here. Uh-huh. Theodore Enselin or, you know, Denise Levertov or Fanny Howe or, you know, all these. Uh, William Cor- Corbett those, day, those days. So I was very fortunate to... And then have him also, basically, I would bring him, like, five pages, and and he would hand it back to me with, like, maybe a paragraph was not read. He, he just, just, he, he, he showed me some things about editing. Wow. He, okay. he showed me some things about editing. And I'll be forever grateful to him about that. And that's one thing I love to talk about writers. Okay. Th- those kinds of things. Yeah, it sounds like you get to that. I mean, that's actually pretty pretty early on you did know what you wanted to do and you made one, two decisions that actually were, seemed like they were the right decisions for what you're telling me now, is because they sort of pointed you in. Well, a, it's led to an adventurous life. Uh-huh. Across the street from um, the library was Brolier Bookshop, still there. Mm-hmm. I think it is considered the oldest poetry bookstore in the country, I believe huh. so. That's uh, very small with those you know, ladders that go way up in the ceiling. Oh, yeah. And, oh. But, but just poetry and special edition books. So that, to me, was Hammond. Mm-hmm. And that's where I came across many writers, and especially poets at the time, because mm-hmm. I, I started as a poet. But I turned out to be a bad poet. And Stratus helped me see, Mark, you write Wanted. prose. You write prose. You don't oh. write poetry. Okay, and I'm like, see, I you're wouldn't. probably right, yes. And it was right. Well, you'll probably have to describe the difference to me. Because I I guess I I would call your writing poetic. But that's, that's about the... You have to describe prose, the difference between prose and poetry to me. So I can... It's... It's... Um, and the one I put out a couple of years ago was considered with poetic prose. I am simply a worker of the sentence. Okay. And I am a worker of the sound of the sentence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of my great teachers was Gertrude Stein. Really? As in person? As, as someone who worked her sentences. Now, whether you like those sentences or not, right. and they're very run-on and wild, mm-hmm. but um, 
she was a sentence worker, mm-hmm. and she and she wrote a very experimental one called Stanzas in Style. I, I forget the year. To most people, it would be completely unreadable mm-hmm. as far as what kind of sense it makes, and yet it's some kind of amazing achievement that still looms to me large mm-hmm. as a, as a uh, someone who crafted something com- completely different. Mm-hmm. Completely different. Yeah. So I recommend that to to writer reader people who want to go back to the experimental days. Mm-hmm. You know, what's it called again? Uh, stances and meditation. Stances and meditation. Stances okay. and meditation. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, so yeah, I read a, uh, like the first fifteen or so pages of, of uh, your novel Play Day. Oh boy. Which is which is a. Uh, uh, I didn't know what you know when it started. I didn't know what I, what to expect, but it it felt like uh, poetry, a, a dream, a kind of a nightmare, kind of a. I didn't know if I if it was going to be an exploration into uh, mental health or you know what. To, uh, give me a little. Tell me a little about it. I'll give you a, a little. I'll give you a little about the. Before the book itself, a little bit about the background of how it came to be. Okay, this, yeah. this is this is one of those writing stories, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I moved from Boston to Provincetown with my girlfriend at the time to another artistic community similar to Athens. I've stayed, mm-hmm. you know, kind of stayed with places that yeah. are encouraging to art. It seems like hopefully, and um, it was there. After a uh, breakup, that I wrote the book that was published two years ago. Okay. So it's many years of a manuscript that's gone through many, many, many drafts. But that's the first book I consider my first book. I've written okay, a couple so you, before then. What year was that that you? So this goes back to you know, 80, let's say 85, 1985. Okay. 85. <laughs> Not 18. 19. Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I won't assume. I just want to you clarify. Were, that. You did anything at eighteen? Yeah. But but it does go way way back. So you wrote it. Then did you? And did you? Did you? Did you say you reworked it over the years, or you just held on to? Well, it? that was the first draft. Before that, I spent intensive months reading on shamanism and Kabbalah and mm-hmm. the most esoteric Egyptian mm-hmm. everything. I, I was a studier for for a long for for many. I can almost feel like and I took, a weird magic coming out of I your I fill notebooks yeah, with, yeah. <laughs> you know, and people people say, tell me about the Kabbalah, and I say, I, I even can't say anything yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, you, you know it, too it's much. Just, it's just, uh, you know, it's a big, it, it's a big topic. Um, but at a certain point, when I was alone, after, again, a, a breakup or a life change, mm-hmm. when, when things go bust... Mm-hmm. I was determined to get back to another novel uh-huh. again. The first two, uh, and that's when I just started writing in a notebook. I had not planned to write the story about a very strange young man who, uh-huh. who may or may not be insane. The whole book may not, may, not, may or may not be written by him. Right. There's a, yeah. there's a whole meta story uh-huh. to it. So you've got to understand for people that say, "Wow, that is." very dark material uh, 
because there's hopefully a great deal of humor there, but it's also a metafiction. And I um, want to emphasize that because, um, and a lot of fun. But that's when I wrote that book. So it's undergone, you know, small editings mm-hmm. over the years, but I've gone on to written, you know, several others. But, but it, it took till then. Um, I've never been one to really push and send out my work. Yeah. I, I've, I've written it and held on to it and continue to try to make it, you know, as strong as it can be. And there, 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 there is no perfect, mm-hmm. you know, you just have to stop at some point. But I, I just move on to the next one as opposed to, you know, try. Now someone would, self, would probably self-publish that in, in, in two seconds if they, yeah. you know, if they wanted to. I'm but still sitting on, on on several waiting yeah. to see what I'll do with them, but but the process of writing that was different and really was my first one that really what I call now is what I do uh, spiritual autobiography. Uh-huh. Okay. That book, if I decode, I, I could write a book decoding that book. Mm-hmm. Do, do you, you know what I mean? Probably should. Do that. You but should. but but uh, now it's so many years later that I have a perspective. On that, that I that I never had at the time. It uh-huh. was just this, you know, thing I was given to do, mm-hmm. and uh, and even when I saw what the story was, I was like, "Wow, really? I'm yeah. going to do that?" <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, that was where the force took me," uh-huh. and um, and I saw it through. And it's a very sharp. Yeah. Shark book. Yeah, I'm going to have to get a hold of it. They've gotten much longer over yes. the years. Well, um, how, what was the process of getting that published? Did you get that? You got it published in the traditional manner. It's not like the modern self-publishing, or so I, I, I set it aside. Uh-huh. I, I set it aside at the time, and uh, I did not, did not attempt to, to publish it. I just thought it was just too, too much. It, it was so, so. Too much I, meaning you didn't want to share that I, with the I, world? I, or? I just decided to hold on to okay. it. I just wasn't ready to let, let that out. Yeah. And um, went on to write several others. And at some point, uh, and then off and on, did try to you know, place it with, with publishers. And all that. This is pre-basically self-publishing. Mm-hmm. This is when self-publishing was vanity publishing. And Self-publishing was a lot more expensive. Uh, very expensive and, years ago. and very cheesy yeah. and, and very slimy, a slimy affair. There's a, there's a much better chance for people now to... Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll comment on that. It's like now anybody can publish anything, just like, you know, uh, all due respect to myself, anyone can have a podcast, but but it doesn't guarantee um, um, uh, quality or... or yeah, a woman in my integrity uh, the writers group I host uh, a few weeks ago read part of a novel and she had already a pretty good credential mm-hmm. and she's like Mark should I self-publish this and I said absolutely not uh-huh. you try for the best publisher you can to get it out there you, you do not self-publish it just because you can mm-hmm. I, I come from that old school when yeah. you you, you a legitimate publisher behind you. If you have a legitimately, you know, yeah, that gives you some mojo and some publicity, but it's never enough. Never, never enough publicity, and you can market yourself on the internet. You know, there's different 
But also the that I think the idea that I mean I get it that you need to stay motivated regardless of whether someone's willing to publish you, you should keep on writing or keep on making your artwork. But, oh, but yes. it could also dis- the, it can also discourage some people from even making an effort if they're if they feel like they're never going to be published. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I tried it, have tried it off and on over the years. I had you know, numbers of rejections, and you know those good, good rejections. But I've really just gone back to do the next book and mm-hmm. just, just move on and move on. It's only been in the very last few years of like you know it's about time to, to get this stuff out there. Uh-huh. And so in 2010, um, I broke down and self-published one. I just wanted to see what the process okay. was. Okay. And I took the one I'm kind of least invested in, but I believe in it. I think it's a fun, a, a fun read called called I Russian Bride. And um, what's it, what's it called? I Russian Bride. I Russian Bride. Okay. Uh, the letters of a young Russian woman. Uh, is it a scam or not? But trying to have this relationship with a with an older American man okay. to get her to come over and. Okay. And send her money and I don't all think these it's an uncommon all these scenario. things that people do on, on, on international dating yeah, sites. Yeah. Uh, you, I think you brought a copy of that to open mic one night. I might have read a few a few their letters, yeah. so I've read a few letters okay. of those. But truthfully, that is a beautiful book. Mm-hmm. Self-publishing has come a long way. That book is j- just as looks just Quality. as fine as the one I had mm-hmm. printed by a. You know, a, a good small press that I did, um, but that's because I work with someone here, you, a, a very smart person, UGA, that, you work with that, that, that helped me yeah, yeah, yeah. make this into the book that mm-hmm. I, you know, so who, you know, and, you? And, and so I feel very good about that one. But um, I'm sitting on four others, and I am, you know, now now it's you know since I had the one come out in 2015, I am. Trying to find an agent again. I've been, you know, very close to handle all these. I just want to. I'm moving on to the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the next thing. And and uh, but I don't believe that you should jump to self-publishing. Right. If, if, if you're an author with a book that right. you have really spent some time with, I would I would definitely target a, a publisher that uh, handles books in the, in the in the theme and the genre that that you do before you just throw. You know, self-publish it to a few friends, right? You know, basically, maybe you could self-publish a smaller edition just to share, just to get. You know, a few people have broken out completely from self-publishing, mm-hmm. broken out and become huge yeah. literary stars. So anything goes, yeah. you know, these days. So you 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 can do it, and um, but I am certainly holding back at the moment again. Mm-hmm. But I had a, I had a pretty experience. I gave away more than I sold, but I loved giving them away. Yeah. I loved that, knowing that a few hundred people suddenly over one yeah. day have my book mm-hmm. during the uh, you know the Amazon giveaway days, whenever they happen to be. <laughs> well, this um, so you, who published the uh, uh, play date? So with Playdate, I decided a couple, you know, three or four years ago. Okay, okay, let's let, let let's get this show on the road. So I put three books together: mm-hmm. uh, Playdate. There's another novel called Pluto and a, no, a novel called Heavenlight mm-hmm. uh, together in a collection, and called it 
gave it a name, it was called Strange Cargo, and sent that out to, to uh, agents and publishers. So, lo and behold, uh, the publisher is Civil Coping Mechanisms. Civil Coping Civil. Mechanisms? Civil Coping Mechanisms. Civil okay. Coping Mechanisms connected with CNM, CCM Press, uh, very active in New York and Brooklyn. Uh-huh. Um, he liked the first book in the series. Uh-huh. That's the book I wrote in Provincetown. Uh, okay. Way back when. Uh, okay. And I thought that's interesting. But he liked the more narrative. The others, the more conceptual, let's say, but... But the uh-huh. planet is a, is a narrative if you if you follow it along. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he believed in that book, and he uh, is the one that ushered that in the print. Okay, in twenty fifteen. Tell me about these guys that wrote the blurbs, because I'm not uh, well versed in my in my authors. Especially the one is a, is, is a good story. Um, at some point. When I was in, had moved back to Kansas City from Provincetown, uh, an article on Paul Oster came out. He was profiled in the New York Times Magazine. Uh-huh. Totally deserving uh, the New York trilogy and his early books. You know, amazing, amazing stuff. Um, so what I did was, <laughs> I put several novels into a box and wrote him a letter. And, and it made it evidently to Brooklyn. Oh, okay. And so um, he, at that point, said, uh, "Mark, when you find a publisher, I'll do something. I'll, I'll do something for you I'll help in some way." That's great. That's great. So that only took twenty plus years. Uh, okay. Yeah. And then he came through. Yeah. And it was a wonderful thing to. So you had sent the books to him 20 years before. He's, yes. Amazing. Amazing. It's, uh, <laughs> he, he's a true writer and a true gentleman. And, uh, you, you know, I, I hope he will stick with me when, when some other larger new books come out <laughs> again. But uh, it's very rare for him to do what he did. And the other one was by a guy who I don't know, but he, he mentions... A reference both to, to a Cormac McCarthy book and uh, 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 the Bates Motel novel, Norman Bates. So I'm like, that's I, that's unusual. I, it is, but I could see where he was coming from from just a few pages that I read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was surprising. That was very surprising. <laughs> now, what's your other novel? Is your artist book? Well, so I I got I got I got lucky in 1990 because um, a couple of my short stories at the time I was writing shorter pieces got into the hands of folks who decided to turn them into artist books. Okay. Now, of course, I had never heard of artist books, and when I bring them up to artists these days. Most also have never heard of artist books. Really? So it's a genre that is seemingly very secretive, but it's also Maybe. very active yeah. uh, all around the world. Mm-hmm. So the one I've had some really nice uh, happenings with is called Einon. 
and it was published uh, in 1990 from Nexus Press in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And in 1990, only the one in New York, Bookworks maybe, and the one in Chicago, uh, and Nexus were the three artist book presses that were really, really doing good work. And so... That was hand-printed on a big press. They don't do that sort of thing now. It's just a gallery up there, the Contemporary Gallery. But uh, the book has really had a life of its own and um, has, is in a number of uh, special and museum collections. Oh, is that the, that's not the scroll one. Oh, it is a scroll. Okay. And uh, I was lucky enough to read it once in New York. Uh, it's, in, uh-huh. it's in MoMA. Here, here, here's a funny story. So the scroll, the scroll piece is in MoMA. Okay, awesome. Um, yeah, how'd you pull that? I'm at an exhibition. <laughs> I'm at the exhibition. Mm-hmm. There, are the artist books, and there is mine, which ro- which you saw ro- rolls out to you know, you know, four feet long. There oh, it is. Were you in New York City at the time? Yeah, I, w- I was living in New York at the time. And there, there it was in a, in a glass case, opened up to a, like a fraction of the story. Uh-huh. But on one side was a William Blake book, and on the other side was a Yoko Ono artist book. And so that was a moment That's for me that I still don't even, whatever, you know. Yeah. You just, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't, you know, you don't know what to do or say. But that book I came to learn after I moved to Athens was part of Harvard, Harvard Special Collections at UGA. Okay. So that led to me finally meeting uh, Anne Devine up there who runs that collection and I had moved here from New York and I had a writer's group in New York for six years so, and I didn't know what to do here, where to do it, when to do it, what to do, but she said, sure, if you want to have a writer's group uh, here at UGA, uh, that's okay. And she comes out and shows a few artist books first. We that's, have to, the, that's the artist, the Harvard har- writer's har- circle. Writer circle. So okay. I encourage anyone that's, you know, whether you, you've never written a word or whether you've published, you know, 10 novels, to come out and just be with some other writers for a little while yeah. and, and bring something to read. Yeah, I, could, I should come out and sort of uh, leech off the vibe. See if some, some yeah. writer will rub off on me. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but Anne comes out first and brings uh-huh. out three or four artist books from the collection. Uh-huh. So mine's the scroll, but they're, they're, they're many shapes and varieties. They're limited edition, they're handmade, and they are, they will blow your mind. Mm-hmm. She has shown things that you will literally not believe uh, okay. that someone crafted this. And it's an act of community mm-hmm. if you, you know, look into it some. So that's always an amazing experience. And then we talk, then we talk writing. And I, I've i always loved to talk about writing and the process of writing to, to writers. And always I love to do it. So what's fun for me is that an outsider reached the academy. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow they let me in because yeah. of this artist book. So um, it's, it's heartening and really... Uh, I hope some more folks come out. Yeah, yeah, that is a, that is a testament to just like going back to the whatever, start again, make another piece of work, you know, keep doing the work regardless. Keep, of what and, and and then and then just just a couple weeks ago, I was written by Emery in Atlanta. Uh huh. 
they just are doing a specialty website on their artist book collection, of which I'm not as in, oh. and they're going to do a special on Nexus. So I might, if, I, you know, I, get, yeah, I, I said to them that. that that Ion is one of the few artist books that could be read. There's a story. Most are conceptual, and there is a short text, but you know, it's not like you can actually read the thing. Right. But I said, you know, exactly. yeah, I'm available. That helps. <laughs> it, it, it reaches because a, a broader it, audience. And so it's a story. It's a shaman story, and that came. I'm sure. From stuff I read all that time mm-hmm. before on shamanism, but wasn't mm-hmm. written until you know yeah. years later, yeah. and it's also the only text of its kind that's ever really, literally been transmitted to me. I did not write this text. I mean, uh, it literally was transmitted over a night or two. Different than, you, and I've written many books. Yeah, and and but with your consciousness, so but you this feel one, like this came this came one a came from a, a completely different place in a completely different language that I have mm-hmm. never used since. So. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not adverse to that. It's, uh, well, so, well, uh, I feel like I'm forgetting something. But tell me a little bit about Athens Uncharted. I, I spent some time listening to your jukebox section. And, uh, well, if SoundCloud doesn't go out of business, huh? If SoundCloud doesn't go out of business, oh. which is, is which is possible now, right? I'm going to be screwed. I I, I love this town, mm-hmm. and I'm a musician. You know, I play guitar since I was 12. Right, right, right. So to me, I'm I'm a fan of everyone, every right. band of every genre, <laughs> and I am immediately and since I've put out a couple zines in my day, uh-huh. one out of Boston when I was there, and, and one out of New York called Artsart.com, which has some, some fun stuff in it. But here, there are so many creative things happening at any one time, and when I finally discovered I could uh, use the Facebook component to to sort of help boost that, uh, that's, that, that's been a, a, a fun thing to work on, but... It started with my friend Bowen Craig and myself, another great writer in town. Bowen Craig is another right. Good Tell writer. me about him. So the, the two of us, the two of us uh, became friends uh, a few years ago, and we finally decided to do what could we do, you know, right, in, right. You know in the social media digital world. And so my last one was, you know, Artsar was uh, was d- done uh, online. So. To me, discovering Athens uh, and all the various communities going on. So we started AthensUncharted.com. He wrote. There's a funny piece he wrote about how we brainstormed that night and came up with that title to get Athens Uncharted. But uh, fortunately, it wasn't used yet. So um, it's been a slow build, but um, it gives me a chance to pursue one thing I'd love to do, which is be on the other side of the mic than, yeah, than, yeah, than this yeah. and, and interview people. Mm-hmm. And um, so that has um, been able to be something I will always be continuing to do. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a fan as much as anyone, and, and the history of this town is, is more than I can even... I know enough to know that mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's a lot to talk about and learn and a lot of people to talk to that I want... I will get to you. Yeah. I'm coming to you to hear this. I will find... You. I, Okay. So I'm like a little kid in town mm-hmm. myself, and I love the new bands too. It's not yeah. just the the old stalwarts. Oh, yeah. I try to I, I try to keep keep up with it all. But if if, if Spotify folds, I'm really? <laughs> I'm screwed because well, it's linked with my uh, WordPress. <laughs> so there'll be so there'll be a technical uh, difficulty. Yeah, I'll find a new way to do yeah, it. But there's 145 <laughs> tracks now. Yeah. Only Athens, old, new, young, experimental. 
all the genres. You know, whoever I can find is, is there. Uh, You're there. Yeah, I, I'm on it too. I, well, that's, I'll have to talk about that. I, I listen, to, but I'm constantly reminded how many talented uh, people yes, are in you, this town or, or or come to this town. You know, and it, it puts uh, puts it, it, it puts. I'm not necessarily one of them. It sort of puts my my own oh, talent yeah. into perspective when you you know. You, yeah, I mean, how do you feel when you see you've seen so many people yeah, play? Yeah. You know, it opened, yeah, it opened my. Um, yeah, you, do you feel you, there's a resurgence yeah. now in, in music here, or has there all has it always just been here? Well, as long as you've been, I certainly can't. I don't feel like I can make that judgment because I, yeah. I I started waiting. I sort of when I my involvement with open open mic was me sort of waking up and paying attention. You know, I sort of yeah. knew a little bit, but didn't really get out much. Yeah. And, uh, um, but uh, yeah, like I first met you through your you were kind of a regular for a while at open mic. Yeah, so I, I, I've been playing, I started, I picked up the guitar again, I, I, I put it down for 10 years and I picked it back up and played in a band at Promise Sound, and now I, I've got a couple projects going and recorded with a friend in Kansas City, a band, you know, uh, instrumentals, uh, hard to define what the music is, but... But solo, I kind of like to do an Eastern sounding, uh-huh. different sounding guitar, yeah. more experimental. So I'm looking to continue to play and be just another, you know, another uh, uh, player in town trying to get their music out there, of which there are so many that yeah. I can't even begin to, mm-hmm. you know, to. Uh, you have to just be part of it. <laughs> little by little, by little uh, you know, I'm meeting people. So it's, 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 it's a great, it's a great town. Well, I'm you know, honored that, that you way. put one of my songs on the, on your jukebox. But yeah. it's not—it's not my original material. Mm-hmm. I have to say, it's like I, the one you have on there is "Candy Kisses," which I—is that? A, it's a like it's Dean Martin had a hit with it, but I don't think it was written by him. It's an old. Okay. We need to get an original up. Yeah. We'll put that down and put an original. <laughs> so I, like I stylized it maybe a little bit, but uh, yeah. Um, and, um, it's not about me, but I want to record my songs with some, with a group of professionals, you know, to make it, yeah. to make them yeah. sound, you know, good rather than me just playing on the guitar, you know. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, with Kindle Core moving here and yeah, that's exciting. Um, all the labels uh, going on, you know, besides, you know. Large twin, older, older folks. Uh, there just seems t- to me to be, you know, a, a nearly non-stop uh, display of mm-hmm. creative, yeah. cultural things. Not only music, but uh, painting and, and ceramics and, film. Uh, and photography. Yeah. Uh, all the arts. So that's what we're trying to cover in, in, in the Uncharted, little by little. Or, um, both known and people deserving of attention, and, and young people deserving of yeah, attention. Yeah, they yeah. do some great work, and you know, come out of UGA, the art school, and do some great work. And my understanding is many great talents have come from the art school, including the B52s and REM and, and uh, Pylon. You know, uh, art students seem to be uh, drawn to, to, to music, making bands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, I read your, uh, speaking of art students, oh, uh, Kristen Leshper popped in my, my mind. She's the Mothers, the, the band Mothers. Mothers, You've yeah. got one of their tracks on the we jukebox. Put, we put that on. She's, the, she's a, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the, she the, came out of the Oscar. 
Yeah, yeah. I I, I try to keep my eye on things uh, in, in town, and I'm just praying Spotify finds the financing to stay in place. Because I hope they sure do too. What will happen? They, apparently, they they weren't really paying the musicians. No. Well, you know, is anyone making you know from the point 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 oh one or whatever you could pay these yeah, days? Yeah, point know, oh one uh, cent per. Uh, doesn't play. add up to much, yeah. you know, when bigger bills. Are I made twenty bucks over the over over our two year period. Oh, wow. I think that's that's a lot. <laughs> it is, but some of it was from Apple, where they bought, you know, my family bought the whole record. You know, but some of the charges were from Spotify, and that was point oh one yeah. cent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but, but I read your article with uh, Vanessa Briscoe. Is it Briscoe? Yes, hey. Vanessa Briscoe. Hey. Yeah. That well, was, I happened. That was enlightening. Yeah. Happened to meet her at an artist artist benefit at the office uh, a few months ago, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and um, you know, I asked if I could if I could speak with her. So that led to we had two conversations. Uh, the most warm, wonderful person. Um, and with, with Vanessa, uh, I took a little different approach than I do with a more short-form interview in the sense that I did oral histories in New York for the Explorers Club in New York. I, I learned and conducted oral histories with people in okay. New York. So not your typical interview. You really need to cover a person's whole life. Right. And it's long. You know, you need... Time with it's them a to long do story. it. Yeah, you, they're all. And they, you know, there's a there, there's a whole section UGA that does oral histories of, of the music in town. So, but with Vanessa, because she was so open and honest, uh-huh. that it, I, you know, quickly could feel that she was willing to talk about her entire life. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, talk about things, and I, t- to someone who was sincerely interested. And mm-hmm. What a what a ride she's had. Yeah, I mean, she was a nurse for 20 years after Pylon broke up for mm-hmm. the second time, and she could have continued on the first time and been more known. But yeah. it's, it, it, it's really quite a quite a story. And now she's back very strong with Pylon Reenactment Society, and then they just just put out a new EP. And uh, I asked her the other night, you know. What's you know? When's the album? When, you know, uh-huh. the album do, but, but she's writing. She said she's writing and working. And uh, so that track. They're back on, on the road more, and she's got a great band, great players. That is that track that that you shared on beep, the beep, the beep track. That one. Yeah. The new one. Yeah. Beep. Yeah. On 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 the on the on the jukebox. Well, that's one of the classic pylons. Yeah, but well, is yeah. that the reenactment society no, well, doing it, or is that the oh, no, original? No, that, that, that's the original. Although there is a pylon reenactment song, you know, song with her there. But that's the original. That's a pylon song. Okay. So um, again, there are many really incredible uh, things on there from uh, Vic Chestnut. My God. Yeah. That is the most haunting song of all time. Mm-hmm. That's on there. I just still, I don't know. I kind of speechless when I hear that song. And uh, there's just been so so much great music out of this town, and there still is, and it's still still happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) We're all trying. Which yeah, it's just you know what you gotta keep doing what you want to do. I also want to say, Vanessa, from the writing process point of view. I worked to craft that interview. That took about two months. Uh-huh. I mean, this is nothing that's just quickly 
You didn't just you sit know, down. There and is talk an art and, yeah. to the transcription of an interview, yeah, which, yeah. which is, you know, if I have any expertise in the world, mm-hmm. could be it. But I really, really, really spent a long time crafting so, that interview because not everyone speaks, yeah. you know, tremendously all the time. Yeah, and, and, and here I am. Here you are. Yeah, so, so start, uh, uh, describe the process of... Well, of her interview specifically, or, or or how do you do it? Did you sit and record well, for I two s- hours? Or well, well, well it, 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 it was cool. I mean, we, we, we literally just sat on a couch very close to each other with a mic in the in the middle that was pushed back. So really, so we just had a very intimate conversation. But uh-huh. I, I'm just like you. I had my pages of notes, uh-huh. and the old, and the and the one lesson for a good interviewer is to you know research, research, research. Yeah. So yeah. I knew a lot about uh-huh. her, but that really has nothing to do with what happens or spontaneously Right, what she wants to say. Exactly. And if someone yeah. turns to a different, you know, just like, you know, it can turn on a dime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here I am jumping around back, back and forth <laughs> in time, but again, I really choose to be on your side uh-huh. Of, uh-huh. Of, of it. But she was, again, just um, really forthcoming about her early life and her family and her years of quote unquote obscurity, mm-hmm. where she had a wonderful time. She raised her family, her pre- which is, you know, what can you say? Right. That's, uh, yeah. But now, you know, she's back going strong. And let me tell you, she puts on a powerful performance each and every time. <laughs> I've seen her at the big club and the small club, uh-huh. and she loves what she does, and she gets gets into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, I, I'll have to get out and see her. Yeah. It seems like she's yeah packed full of energy and. And I can't emphasize enough the players uh, there um, that uh, are in Pilot Reenactment Society here. Just an incredible synergy of musicians now, and I hope she, you know, takes it far and wide. (laughs) My friends from San Francisco were here, and they want to, you know... Get, get her out there and very possibly okay. can't can do that cool. <laughs> and they do that so. oh it, it, you know I love they, I love that that, that story that she, you know. well they want to get several bands they want to get an Athens Frisco and he's a producer out there so okay. we'll see what happens yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, there, there's no end of the terrific bands in town mm-hmm. and singer songwriters and every you know to come and go you know they could play exactly well, let's go way back. Let's see. Tell me a little about your your mom, and then because um, I didn't, I don't know. Your parents, your dad had a, a kitchen supply company, and he was a, he was a vet. He was he a vet of World War Two, or, or, or well, I'll or speak he, briefly about my parents. I mean, my mom was the typical sort of housewife mom of those days, and there was always, you know. <laughs> meat, potatoes, and vegetables, some kind on the table, and warm, and a warm and loving, nurturing mom. And um, my dad, the more interesting aspect about my dad was, besides being, you know, a savvy businessman, Mm -hmm. was that uh, uh, he had been a boxer, golden gloves boxer. Really? And then in his later years, after my mom passed, became very active in the uh, Jewish war veterans in Kansas City. So he's, okay. he's his own force of nature at 97, uh, still wow. okay. in, in Kansas City. But um, but I was raised in a very traditional, non-artistic family. I got no, there was no nurture, you know, no one knew from art. And um, 
my dad didn't go overseas. He worked on bombardier, on planes, on in Brownsville. But they mostly had him box because that was his. So he boxed. He boxed a lot in the army, far the army. Okay. And so, but he also worked on B-52s and oh. things. But uh, you didn't want to fool with my dad in those days. Yeah, I would. He must have been a tough uh-huh. son of a guy, and that's that's putting it mildly. Um, so, uh, but he, but he, he still has no real understanding of what I do. He still doesn't know what I do. Nah, it's not. Yeah, not. <laughs> so his, it's kind of okay. Team. That's the way you know we've come to an understanding of. Loving each other, but he just still doesn't get it. Right, doesn't that's, really get yeah, it, yeah. and that's probably true of many parents of all oh, artists. Yeah, they I just mean, don't I'm, get that that is what your life is, mm-hmm. and the fact of whether you make money or how much you make or what you mm-hmm. do, for you, you know, that is where your joy comes from. Yeah, yeah. And you must go where your joy comes from. Yeah, or you're just going to be miserable. Yeah, totally true. Totally true. It doesn't mean you're make a living. No, no, and, and some do. It says it's a balance, but it is important to, um, well. A lot of us would like to identify with our parents more closely, and but like you said, you can't. You have to accept yeah. where it is. But yeah, but like they 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 think they understand. They understand to the, the degree that they understand. You've got to make a living. Yeah. Okay. How many times? I you know. Am. Yes. Yeah, I heard. That I, I would like to make a living from art, from art yeah. projects, yeah. and that's where I'm at now. So at the moment, I'm. Almost done with a screenplay uh, collaborating w- with uh, someone that could actually be a commercial entity. Okay. And while I would never give in to doing something commercially consciously, it's just the way it's gone. And the fact is, in this weird, strange, troublesome, uh, t- the times we live in are, mm-hmm. you know, you know, very strange. It, you know, it might be a, might be a popular movie. Yeah, and it's sometimes. Uh, and it also involves guns. So it also involves, involves guns. Guns. So I'll say a little more. I, I, I take neither popular. side, but but <laughs> but it does involve guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and guns seem to be there you know, a lot. They're of, a thing. Too much in our consciousness yeah, these yeah. days. But, um, well, sometimes uh, writing something, and I haven't successfully written anything really, except for maybe a song. But sometimes writing something that's digestible and marketable is a good uh, uh, conduit to share a deeper story. Well, the other thing is I have a 600-page novel I'm editing, all written on Twitter. I, I go back to the days... Wait, did you, did you wrote or someone the, else? I wrote, yeah. Okay. Since 2010. So after I finished I, Russian Bride, someone introduced me to Twitter. Uh-huh. Now, I never thought, dreamed, considered ever, because I like to write by hand mm-hmm. in notebooks, like yeah, Beckett, yeah. Kafka, and all the people I truly, truly mm-hmm. admire. Mm-hmm. But I like Twitter, when mm-hmm. I, and I like the restriction <laughs> of 140 characters. I don't even need that. So over time, I have a 600-page novel. It's still up there. It, it's at I Russian Bride, so it's a continuation of the the Russian woman, but it's oh. a completely its own story. She runs off with the pagans, and it's uh-huh. very wild stuff. But uh, so I'm working on that, and I need an agent at this point because I have several other novels. I mean, I I've been close, but it's uh-huh. like it's about time. <laughs> I because yeah. I want to move on and do you know more with Athens and Chart and do more in Athens uh, mm-hmm. and start on the next book. You know, I mm-hmm. I've, I have. 
six or seven waiting. They're just waiting, you know, start 20 or 30 pages in. You you know, but every writer's... You should get an agent because, yeah, from I what mean, I understand, they'll, they'll direct you and push certain, I guess, what material that they can get behind and... Yeah, so my advice to the, my writer's group friend, do not self-publish, and she, in a sense, I do believe she will get an agent, and I sent her a few people to try that, are, uh-huh. that I'm in touch with, because she is deserving of, of, of a wide market for her book, which is more commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think mine is in a certain sense, but it's still, it's a, it, it's a book about language as much as it's about a story, and there's a story, but... A sentence worker, like I said, so it's the sound of the prose that's uh-huh. that interests me I'm from book to book. The, okay. the music of the prose. All right. Thinking about this interviewing thing. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, here's a good one. Um, have a mutual friend who knew Timothy Leary. Okay. And he, at the time, Leary was dying. And it was very uh, vocal about it. He, you know, a lot of publicity about it. Uh-huh. Uh, he called it like designer dying. He was going to freeze his head. People, don't freeze your head. Freeze your head. Do you remember? Uh, yeah, vaguely. Yeah, yeah. yeah this I goes okay. So frozen he, heads out there. So Larry played, played with that. He was uh-huh. going to do it, and people, you know, uh-huh. and there was. But t- towards the end, he was giving these, you know, these for large sums of money interviews to Newsweek or Time because uh-huh. he was moving towards towards yeah. the end. He, he knew that it was, and but my friend hooked me up with him and talked to Mark. You know, it's okay to talk to Mark. So this led to about three months. I would I would call or fax. I could also fax. Generally, I would call from the library I was working uh-huh. at, and I. And inevitably, a 20-year-old girl would answer, and there'd be a, you could hear the party going on, and music and a party. Amazing. And she'd say, oh, it's so-and-so. Let me see if Tim will... You know, never. Nothing. This went on off and on every week or two for, for like two or three months. Did you never get him on the phone? He wouldn't. And then, shortly before he died, he, all of a sudden... Hi, t- you know, hi, Mark. It's Tim. G- give me five minutes. He said, "I'm, I'm going to go up to my to my bathroom. It's the only place that I can talk around here because uh-huh. it was a nonstop sort of party. He liked the you know the, a new group wow. of kids that have archived all his stuff. I didn't I didn't imagine that that. So five minutes later, I call, I call mm-hmm. and uh, what the hell? It's Timothy Leary, uh-huh. and I'm like, holy fuck! You know what I mean? I don't even know, you know, and again, I'd researched, I, and the book at that time was his book on the advances of the computer, so he went from the drug thing, really, to what computers, the, the, the computer itself is, is, is a drug, and he was beyond, beyond everything happening, and he spoke about, and you can read this interview on artsart.com. I read a little bit Ultimately, of the beginning of it. Yeah. it was first published in Japan, they got wind of it, and they published it first, because I called Rolling Stone, and they said, nah, there's too much Larry now, because, again, Newsweek and Time, and uh-huh. mine was a little different. He spoke about the big wave coming, you know, I think the big wave is freaking here, we're, we're on the big wave. Uh-huh. But he spoke about neurons, the billions of neurons, and how much we've only begun to tap into our mm-hmm. potential. So, you know, he went in a way beyond his notoriety as just the, the person who, you know, turned LSD everyone guy. on LSD, yeah. the LSD guy. There was much more to him. He's a very interesting individual. And uh, that movie with him and Ron Dawson on Netflix now, the, the, there's a movie on Netflix. Oh, really? Oh. Uh, 
with him and Ram Das reminiscing about all their their times and all their talks about okay. of living and dying is is uh, a fantastic movie uh, on, on Netflix. So the interview by the end, and I was like out of my body uh-huh. by the end. You know, just 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 speak, you know, just hearing hearing that voice uh-huh. Uh-huh. and speaking with him at the end. I don't even know what happened. It was seven minutes. It was only seven minutes that you spoke? Seven minutes. Okay, well, that's... But I got in what I needed. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't there to do his, you know, his life story. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but, but I got in, I asked him about the, you know, will you read the interview? And yeah, you yeah. saw what I got in. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the human being versus the digital being all those years yeah, later. And, yeah. He said the big waves coming. Like I said, yeah. it's some chills up my spine. It still does. I mean, like, yeah. but he was a talker. He he was a master of the publicity phrase uh-huh. when he was interviewed. So I would be the anti, <laughs> the anti Timothy Leary. But he could talk. He was a smooth, a smooth talker, but a brilliant thinker. Mm-hmm. And he developed, you know, the first psychology test that's still used, I think, to to, to work. I forget what it's called, oh. but he goes back, you know. To being a true, he was a true psychologist yeah, in the day. I didn't have to read up. Oh. But then I heard, funnily enough, he introduced, you know, you know, at some point LSD to his students, and uh, only graduate students at Harvard, not the undergrads. Uh-huh. And then, you know, something in the book I read, and then the girls would just follow him, follow him home. <laughs> I, don't, I won't say more from there because I don't know what happened. <laughs> but you know, you, 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 I'll you, use my but, imagination. Yeah, you have to go from there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that was unique because he probably was able. He was probably able to communicate a lot within in that just second, seven minutes. Yeah, he could say a lot in a very short amount of time. Where, you know, that is not the case with me. Well, he knew so, what he knew what he wanted. Yeah, he'd been practicing yeah. his agenda his whole life. Also, yeah, so he was he was say. at his reckoning point. Yeah. And so those couple things he said, I don't, and they did. He did not say those to time when he was. I do not oh, okay. do not believe. Okay. I do not believe he said the couple things he said okay. to me. Uh, they were, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go read your article and. You know, I still have the tape, and, and if I can oh. get it converted from my you know cassette mini cassette to a to digital, you, uh, I should. I think put you that can up. have that done at the um yeah at the library. I, I need. Mean, I have a number of tapes of people shoot because I've had you know when I did Mono 2000. Okay, you can just play it in, in front of a microphone. That's true. And, you know, you probably even come out better. That is true. Quality. But the very start of mine was I was given a challenge of two weeks to interview William Orbit for Mondo 2000 magazine in San Francisco. And Mondo 2000 in 19, the late 90s, 96, 95, 6, they, they were the magazine before Wired and oh. psychedelic. And they covered topics that you, about designer drugs and, and philosophies, things that, you know, like a real California thing. But that's how I cut my teeth. I was given two weeks to interview someone I had never, mm-hmm. ever known their music. And he's turned into a huge, you know, a huge fan. Who is it? Robert, uh, William Orbit. Hmm. He produced Madonna's Ray of Light. So when you hear the music to Ray of Light, okay. whether you like Madonna, whatever you think about Madonna, uh-huh. just listen to the sounds. Mm-hmm. So he's like an analog, but he's a, he's just a master mm-hmm. of sound. So you'll hear what you hear in the sound. You know, the music is. It, yeah, it, it I'll, I'll listen to it. When, yeah. when you're good with your with your tools, it doesn't matter what the tools are. When you he is he is good. And then I was given the opportunity to interview Robert Hitchcock. Now, okay. boy, did I research him. Boy, uh-huh. did I listen to everything. I mean, I really and. 
what worked out so well with him is, and these are phone calls to England from Kansas City. <laughs> these are phone phoners. They're called. So they were. Hitchcock was in the studio, but he had, we had such a good time that he said, "Let's talk again." But mm-hmm. no one had ever asked him about his father, who was a writer, ah. the first person. So he's coming to town here in January. So I oh. need to cool. figure that out and talk oh, to him yeah. again, like you know, 20, 20 years later. Awesome. What's been happening? Yeah, how you been? So. <laughs> But that was the start of my interview. I was kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll take the challenge on. And it's, it's just led to, you know, many it led others. To, yeah, a full, almost a full-time thing. It so could with, be. You, so yeah. you, with Vanessa, you made a recording of a yeah, I had casual the, yeah. sit-down. Really, I and consider then you the, transcribed it in a... Yes. Then I work with the transcription, and that is a process... For me, that's become just intuitive, although I thought about doing maybe a... Doing a special, you know, a thing somewhere where people pay, come in. We'll just just focus in on interviewing, you know, and I can give you my experience, full experience of what that process is like for you to go on. Because I think for writers, and especially writers who are, you know, not that much is happening because we spend years on books. Think about interviewing someone you 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 know whose work you like, uh-huh. whatever medium. Just, right. just you know, get a little tape recorder and go talk to them. Work with that text. I mean, chances are you'll. You know, be able to do it. I have just done it a lot over the years, and when you do oral histories, you you have enormous amounts of material. Mm-hmm. So you have to work with that text, you know, sentence by sentence. So again, it's sentence working, whether it's fiction or whether it's nonfiction. People's voices, you must be true to their voice. Yeah, yeah. And um, I have definitely used techniques where you combine something they said here to something they said way up here because you lost the theme in between and they picked it up here uh-huh. you know and you have to work with it to make so you might do so, some editing but very select editing yeah oh definitely but yeah. You, just oh, you to the feeling do. of what's true to what they're uh, exactly saying. so I will extend things like did I really say it that way but that's the whole thought of what mm-hmm. they they contributed, even though it was hap- uh, scattered a bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, where in this case we can let someone like myself be scattered um, for the yeah, this is for, where, for let's say yeah. Vanessa. No, it is not scattered. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is you know that took two months of work. Okay, it wasn't okay. just you know transcribing. Well, it was how long did the sit down? So we spoke for for two hours, okay. one hour, and then the next week for another hour. Mm-hmm. So we staff, and then we had dinner, and I met Maureen, who managed the B fifty twos in the early okay. days, and and Bob Hay, ah. who's a great cook, by the way. Oh, uh, go have dinner. <laughs> Let Bob take care of that. He uh, so a very wonderful family, and 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 it's um, it's helped me. You know, just feel feel more myself as a I'm kind of old timer, new timer, an old kind of newcomer to Athens. Um, and to me, it's it's just a fantastically glorious town with this completely rich history, um, from the music to just the town itself to these new buildings going on to community events and and. Uh, to Canopy Studio and just all, all the unique things that, that happened here. We just did a story on Michael Davenport, the painter with no arms. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that story is unbelievable. 
people, I mean, if you want some, some motivation, right, right. listen to a guy who's overcome adversity yeah, and yeah. Is, <laughs> is joyous. Yeah, yeah. He's a joyous man. And so I hope it, it helps him get a wider, uh, you know, a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it, it he's, will. He be. does motivational speaking. Oh, he does? I believe. Oh. Yeah, I believe so. That's cool. So that so so Athens Uncharted is just this incubator for what Bo and I find in town and who we find and quirkiness and randomness and um, uh, there's also a section called Soundings where anyone that might hear this podcast if they have a topic possibly other than politics <laughs> I just don't even know what to say about that it's been yeah. better I. I but if you have a topic, one guy wrote about asexuality. I'm, I'm hoping someone's writing about punk and bowling right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noelle Shutt from She He He, one of the great bands oh, in town. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've asked her because she seems to be a writer. Noelle, hello. We still never met, uh, <laughs> but we will. But um, if anyone has a topic or issue, send it to, send it to Athens Uncharted at Gmail. Um, yeah. Uh, as short as you know, longish, not too long, but but certainly it could could, could be a couple few pages. And anything that's on your mind, we love would love to see that and, and work to make that into a, a nicely crafted piece, uh, depending on what kind of shape it's in, and publish that. Yeah, to hear from people in town. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll publish a link along with this That'd be talk nice. on, That'd on, be the, nice. on the website. Yeah, I think Janet uh, get us from the bookstore. I'm hoping she will do one about her experience of being an entrepreneur in town. There's just so, so much. I'd love to talk to the herbalists of town. I, I don't yeah. know. There's just there's just so all much. These, exactly. I'm, I'm wondering there, there, the there's same there's, thing. There's as so you. much cultural yeah. activity yeah. in so little time. So that's how I feel. So if you see me, come talk to me about mm-hmm. what what you do and what's going on with you and your work. Because um, I, I'd like to know. I just uh, I also like to stay home a lot, so I I, I could go out seven nights a week, yeah. as, as you could too, yeah, to this yeah, town yeah, to go to events. So my friends visiting got me out this last week, and so I happened to run into a good a good many of people, and one was Vernon Thornsbury, uh, oh, yeah. who I think only yeah. comes out at night, <laughs> and it's the second day. time I've run into him, and and. Um, there is someone that is doing an interview with him uh, right now, and another great potter in town, Rebecca uh, uh, Wood. Mm-hmm. So we do have some new material coming up in AU, and just look to continue to that talk is, to people in yeah. town. Uh, and, and, and for me, especially the guitar players and all the musicians, because mm-hmm. that's, I really relate to that as, as a musician in, in, right, in town right. as well. You've got so, a good, yeah. You've so got a good thing going is on. One, one really great open mic that seems to have had longevity. Yeah, yeah. Some others have come and gone, uh, but uh, it's a great showcase for for also performers like Cortez Garcia who mm-hmm. go out and tour. But mm-hmm. he, and he told yeah, me he yeah. comes here to to just hone, you know, hone songs. Mm-hmm. He, he will come here. He feels good here to yeah. try out something new try before, new before he does it on the road. Uh, I see. And that was yeah. one of Vanessa's Vanessa's great line was Athens is a great town to start a little, you know, get a little something going and take it out on the road. You know? mm-hmm. But it's a great time to get something going and there's a lot of people getting something going. Exactly. <laughs> and who have over many years. Mm-hmm. And I want to meet them all. But, yeah. but you know, it's sort of one person well, at a time as I do. Exactly. Yeah, you'll have to settle for uh, a portion of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is just... Uh, but, but I do... Uh, I feel comfortable in Athens. I have a young daughter not too far away. I will no, be, be okay. here a very long time, yeah, that, yeah, if not forever. Here, 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 so yeah. um, there really are some people I, I want to talk to over time. And, 
let me let me see. Uh, what what years were you in New York City? And so I was the six years in Boston. So I was um, in, New, in in New York later. Uh, Although, while I was in Promstown in the 70s, I took trips to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would house it for the uh, critic uh, that died recently, Dory Ashton. And I, would, I went to CBGB's a lot. Mm-hmm. I saw Sonic Youth and Talking Heads. I saw So I, you throughout uh, the but, 90s? But, but I moved there later into the 90s. Uh, you moved there in the 90s? Well, into, I forget what year, but... Uh, I was there really in from 90 96. to from 90 to 96. Okay, so that's kind of when I went back. There was 96. So you were there. With my wife at the time. We might have been in there at the same time. Uh, that's when I started a writing group. I worked at a Barnes & Noble first, uh-huh. and they let me do it. I did a writing group for six years. I would have published authors, un, you know, unpublished authors, of course, and then a guy would come in. He would write a, like a poem or a note on a, on a bag outside, uh-huh. and he would come in and read it. I mean, it was fantastic. Wow. It was fantastic. So, uh, Harvard Writers is a little more tame than that, but I welcome anyone to come in. <laughs> but but um, I did get to experience New York a lot at the time. Where, where was you? Where was the bookstore? But I raised my daughter as well. See, I took, you know, Nessa took four years. I took a little time off before I got divorced to raise my daughter. Uh-huh. So, I worked for seven years at the Museum of Natural History in the oh, really? film archives. Uh-huh. I actually got to license pictures and films to galleries, museums all over the world. It was a tremendous job. And then see the archives of the museum and, these, and, the, uh-huh. and the elevator that goes up to the cold floor and oh, all the glass plates from Congo expeditions and the teens, you know, famous stuff. And you'd handle the glass plates and a certain museum I wanted. So you put it on a cart and handle the plate, take it to the photo studio for them to make a print. It was one, you know, very individual. Amazing. So that is an experience that I will never forget. And... Uh, I was also, when I moved to Athens uh, three years, I worked at the regional library. I was administrative coordinator under Catherine Ames, who ushered in the new look of the library, all the construction that led to the way the, the library is now. So um, that was a good experience of learning about things that happened you know, in, in Athens itself uh, as well. Well, so how did you end up? Well, my divorce, my divorce and my ex... His family is from Georgia. I never dreamed in my wildest life that I would ever, ever, ever move to Georgia. (laughs) Ever. I was a a literary East Coast Mm -hmm. guy. Never in my wildest dreams, and it's led to am- amazingness. <laughs> and seeing my daughter grow up, you know, uh-huh. at 13, I've seen her. And she is in the uh, upcoming, the ensemble, Circle Ensemble Theater's uh, Christmas Carol, which oh, is going to be a tremendous show. I-, I sit in on the rehearsals now because I love to see the process of a director putting a show t- together. And I could... I could go on about that with the process of editing and writing. It's, uh-huh. it's, there's a similarity, even though it's totally different, of uh-huh. crafting how people move and act and say things as working with sentences on, uh-huh. on the page. So she's excited to be in that. And, uh, but I'd love to see more theater in town. I'd love to see more theater. And, there's and I'd love to see more writers come out of the woodwork in town. I have met a few through the Athens Writers Association, but I know there are more writers in the South. Secret writers. Those are the ones I want to come, you know, come out and read what you what, what you did 10 years ago. Yeah. That may be just fine, because look at me, 20 years ago. Again, yeah. It doesn't matter that it isn't what you're doing right now. You may not be writing a word now, but you're thinking exactly. about it. You're just developing in your, in your So mind. I like to inspire. Yeah. People. My, yeah. my thing is to inspire our, 
especially writers. I have, I have tried different forms. I've sold a screenplay. I've written many plays. I've liked the different forms of writing. And so, working with text in different ways is. Uh, but you have the most fun, do, you know, doing the novels and making up the world. Yeah. But I do like crafting other. And you're making up the world in the screenplay too. But I like uh, in plays. I like writing plays as well. But my model there is Beckett, who did fiction and plays. Uh-huh. And uh, for sheer just uh, amazingness is is Kafka. You know, his sharp oh, life, Kafka, sure. his sharp, unbelievable life, and uh-huh. unbelievable mind. Yeah. Uh, he is, uh, he and Beckett are, are, are my truest. And, and William Brock. William Brock is a poet I became. Tell me about William Brock. So, around 82, when I was in Boston putting out a paper only, because there was only paper, right, right. a literary magazine called Hollis, <laughs> we wrote to Brock, and I had, again, discovered Brock at Rollier Bookstore when I was there. He was just doing small press editions, beautiful small press editions. And are those days gone? I hope not. But that's where I discovered him and... He was discovered by Sid Corman, who put out Origin magazine in the 50s. So it goes, there's a whole lineage there. So I wrote to Brock because I saw one of his essays was botched by Sid Corman. Uh, it was botched by the, it just looked terrible. There were typos, printer errors. It was just awful. And I wrote to Brock, I said, could we republish your two short essays? And basically he said, okay, kid. Okay, kid, if you want to. Try. So this is me at a typewriter with, with copy paper on a typewriter, you know what I mean, to make the copy. And I, boy, did I make sure they were perfect. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Boy, I can tell you, they, they were perfect when I was done. <laughs> and he said, okay. So we got to publish his essay, Desire and Denial. Desire and Denial. Oh, okay. Now, I, def- right. I need to reprint that some, somehow. But you can find it in a book of his essays, William Brock. William but, Brock. Uh, that, that started a, a long 17-year-old friendship mm-hmm. with him. And then he came to Provincetown to visit uh, year, years later when I was in Provincetown, so I got mm-hmm. to know him as a person. And then I would go to upstate New York and stay with him. Okay. Paul Oster, he put Beckett and Brock together as kindred spirits in a piece for the Saturday Evening Post like, like he years ago. Literally introduced them or he put No, their... no, as, a, as, as the writer spirits. Uh-huh. And so I love that because I got very close with Bronk and I spoke about Bronk at a conference in 2012 at NYU. Uh-huh. I got to tell my story, my relationship with him. We went on walks and mm-hmm. we'd read to each other. He'd let me read my weird prose to him and uh-huh. he would... You know, after dinner with, with, with you know with the Amaretto or cognac, he was very civilized. He's a very 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 European civilized family <laughs> that good, he came yeah. from, and uh, he would really you know belt out his poetry and his very mm-hmm. you know philosophical and whatnot. So those were great times. He he was always a believer in the work, the work, not the, the sending out trying to get famous and trying yeah. to publish. So I kind of. I may have kept that philosophy a little too long. That's what I'm waiting myself to see. Because well, I may self-publish my four yeah. books at once myself in another couple of years. If, if I don't get, you know, yeah, yeah, get yeah. that thing to happen where someone else takes care of it. And I've known people who have had that happen. I myself haven't, but I've been close. Finally, someone said one book was not uncommercial, but the person didn't have a chance at the time to take more representation. But I thought that was encouraging because it's about a strange library, and it's certainly a story. Uh, About a strange library? Yeah, it's called M7. Uh, It's a 300-pager. I spent 10 years on that one off and on. And uh, I 
should try with a different publisher then. Well, I need, I am trying for the Asian to get to the, the publisher that can make a difference because I, like most artists who are always, you know, looking for ways to just survive. Yeah, you don't want to uh, do that part. Need, That's why the Asian thing is like Exactly, that. Yeah. exactly. Because, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's it's hard to make make that elusive living. Oh, I get it, I get it. So, so, yeah. so well, well, how are you paying the bills? Well, the bi- well, <laughs> you don't have to talk. I don't want to talk about my job either, but you, I'm just if you want to. Well, I do some freelance, uh, you know, things on the side, and I'm hoping to do one coming up, uh, doing a lot of transcriptions. But uh, I'm someone who gets Medicare. Uh, okay. I put in my 30 years. Oh, okay. I, I've worked. You I did worked, your bit. I did cause. my bit. I, <laughs> and, and actually, you know, I never minded the, the nine to five. So I don't like to hear folks mm-hmm. bitch and moan about I can't get any, any work done. I wrote all my novels in the morning, mm-hmm. in the night. Use your if time you're gonna wisely. Write, I, you know, you know, I'm not saying every night and every day, but I mean it adds up if you mm-hmm. if you were yeah. serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, uh, I'm lucky to have a little more opening in my life now. For me, especially to go to Athens Uncharted, mm-hmm. so I can continually do updates of all the events in town yeah. on the Facebook side. Yeah. I can continually and continually amazed at the variety of There's things going on. There is not only yeah, there is always something going on. Twenty four twenty four seven. You will see like wow, really? And then it's like in a day or two, so it really doesn't give you much time. Yeah. People are learning. you got to have maybe a little longer lead time. <laughs> you know, I mean, give yourself a month or two ahead yeah. of the event because the day before, uh, you know, I mean, that's good too, but you've got to continue, obviously, in social marketing to yeah, keep things in front of people. Uh, that's its own trick too. And I need to learn more social marketing skills yeah. as well. But I, I picked up a couple of tri- tricks in my bag. <laughs> I'm sure you're, and you're going to continue to. Well, um, well, I'm committed to it, yeah. Are you, um, yeah. Does Athens Uncharted advertise? I didn't notice if there were ads on your website or. Oh, interesting you should bring that up. Well, the model initially was to certainly uh, promote, celebrate, get behind local businesses. Mm-hmm. But I do believe now we have enough material after a couple of years to to actually look for sponsors, advertisers, uh, slash, to to help us carry on our yeah. mission. And I mean, it affects the many look of which of I, your... I promote anyway. Yeah. You know, and I pr- yeah. but but. Yeah, need, need to find a, a model that actually helps provide some mm-hmm. some additional, you know, because it's a labor of love. And yeah. love is nice and it's wonderful, but it does not pay the electric bill. Yeah. And pay your electric bill as you hope. Yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs> oh, they're going to take you away. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> well, Mark, is there something that I did not ask about that you wanted to um, share with me? Because I know you have more stories. <laughs> that probably is good for now. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I will say at, at, at the end, we'll make the musicians uh, maybe want to talk to me more, is that I saw Hendrix live <laughs> and I saw Led Zeppelin twice and I saw John Bonham pass out on his drums uh-huh. on the second song <laughs> okay. and the rest of them paid. But they, they just jammed. You could have your money back but they played for an hour and our jaws dropped because I'm sure they did things they never did before. Uh-huh. And uh, that's so, all I have to say. Uh, okay, so that should attract some uh, some uh, musicians. To musicians get, talk. Get the deeper come, story. Come, 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 come introduce yourselves to me. I'm, I'm shy and I'm not a I'm not a big uh, yeah. Come, 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 come introduce yourselves to me. Yeah. 
Well, I will come introduce myself to you if I, yeah, if I yeah. recognize you. You're not that shy. I'm not that shy. <laughs> well, I, Fairly shy. <laughs> we will um, make a tentative uh, yep. date to meet again and and uh, catch up, pick up where we left off and yeah, see where yeah. things are going. Yeah, that's really, you know, things I was hoping to, hoping to, to, to Awesome, Mark. I, I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. Well, you're for, welcome. I, I, for, oh, show me that. Show that. Let's... Show that smaller book. This is the other yeah. artist book, yeah. yeah. And it's called, it's called A Long Way. Handmade in Mexico uh, with a river running through it. It's an accordion wow. binding. This is the type of book you'll see at the Harvard Writers Circle. Okay. Books like this, you can't even describe what they are. Yeah. But you've got to see the shapes and sizes. Of it. Turn it a little bit. So, yeah. And, and it's, it's a short story of mine. So it's a, that's a literal story that you can follow. Yeah. It's a, okay. Yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah. It's that got uh, the Crystal of Atlantis, lesbian bikers. I mean, it's got everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. The prairie. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful, Mark. I love it. So, so this, this uh, again, edition of 60. 60, yeah. 60. Uh, now, I couldn't afford to buy one on the Internet. Okay. No, I couldn't okay. afford. I couldn't afford it. So are they are they for sale on the internet? Very rarely. Very this rarely. One, okay. and, and never for this one. Never for okay. You'll never. How many copies of that? Three hundred fifty. Okay. Never. You know, okay. Except the museum. Well, the collections. Thank God for the special and museum collections, <laughs> including Harvard. It, it got me. You know. So I'm, 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 I'm really lucky you, yeah. uh, that way. Well, you you know, it's a combination of work and luck. You didn't, it didn't is happen by luck. accident. Luck, luck is, is <laughs> definitely part of it. Uh, I've had many, many, many rejections. And I've had many, many, many disappointments, as every artist has. Ones that just crush you. Uh-huh. But you you got to come back. you got to be yeah. crushed for a while. you got to come back. What are you going to do otherwise? Exactly. <laughs> what are you going to do? So... Well, that is awesome. I appreciate you appreciate uh, spending, uh, spending the time with me. And, uh, we will Thanks a lot. How about that, y'all? That wraps up my sit-down with local author-musician Mark Katzman. <clears throat> also, thank you so much for Hendershots. That's where we were hanging out during our talk. I'm Larry Fort. Thanks for listening to another episode of Limited Perspective. See you next time.